Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. All right, so check this out. Whether you actually believe in the paranormal or just really enjoy listening to scary stories in an attempt to scare yourself, this is one of the many paranormal experiences that I've had. Arguably the most terrifying, converting one of the eyewitnesses from a skeptic to completely believing in the paranormal and actually taking it seriously. My friends and I have always been quite fond of going out and doing some urban exploration, or, you know, urbex. For those of you that don't know what that is, it's when you go out and look for abandoned and derelict buildings to explore and photograph. We didn't go out searching for the haunted side of things. We just enjoyed the eeriness and also the beauty of old, abandoned places, Living in Scotland, a lot of these abandoned places are normally surrounded by amazing scenery, from hills and mountains to thick forests and lush fields, so we always made a day out of it when we did go exploring. One house in particular was our favorite, so much so that we had already visited a couple of times prior to this experience. Myself and two of my best friends, we'll call them C and B, decided to go back, but the condition of the place had declined quite rapidly since the last time that we had been, and everything seemed very unstable, but we didn't let that stop us. Finding that our usual entry spot had been boarded up, we felt quite defeated, but decided to look for another entryway. After searching around for a while, we noticed that the roof on one of the lower parts of the house had been damaged by some fire, and it was practically all gone. Now, it wasn't the easiest to get up to, using a tree and each other to do so, but we did finally get in. It was going relatively normal. We were wandering around the inside, searching and admiring the rooms that we could still get into, being terrified by the occasional bird and being spooked by our own footsteps and taking photos of the amazing architecture. However, something was different this time. The whole place just felt off and a little more eerie than it normally did. I've always been what you would describe as mm, spiritually inclined, so I felt this more than what my friends did. One of them was a complete skeptic, so he just brushed it off and said we were over-exaggerating and, you know, making things up. His mind was going to be completely changed after leaving this house. After exploring the top three floors as much as we could, cringing at the spray paint art that the vandals had left, we were on the ground floor just having a chat and discussing how much the house's condition really had declined. We were standing in one of the hallways, almost in a triangle formation. I was standing in a door frame with my back towards the empty room, 
with C to my left and B to my right. I was still feeling a little uneasy, but I didn't give much thought to it. As we were all conversing about the plans for the rest of the day, I felt something on my back. It felt like someone had run their hand down my back. From the base of my neck to the center of my back, I felt a firm, consistent pressure until the pressure tapered off down to the base of my back. It was over within seconds. I felt all the color drain from my face as I frantically jumped forward with a scream. B and C both looked at me in confusion and asked what happened and if I had hurt myself. In a haze of confusion and dizziness, I wasn't able to form any words, never mind describing what I had just felt. I regained my bearings and took a couple of deep breaths before trying my best to explain the sensation of being touched. B's face turned a little pale as she saw how serious I was being. However, C was a skeptic. He laughed and just thought I was joking or that I had accidentally hit something without realizing or maybe a bug had hit me. I knew that wasn't the case because for a split second before it happened, I felt every single hair on my body stand up as a warning for what was about to happen. Being slightly freaked out, B and myself managed to convince C that it was time to leave. On top of what had just happened, it was also getting a little cold. While making our way to the same section that we had entered through, I started to feel a burning sensation run down my back, like someone had taken hot coals or a flame down the back of my shirt. Starting to freak out again, I asked B to check if anything was there. Asking her what was wrong, I automatically knew something was wrong because she didn't give me a response. She was just silent. Next thing I knew, B was calling over C to come and look, which made my anxiety spike up even more. And from the look on C's face, I became increasingly worried. They both nervously told me that there were marks going down my back. Obviously not being able to see it myself, I then asked them to take a photo for me to see. Looking at the photo, there were three distinctive scratches going down my back, exactly where I had felt someone or something touching me earlier. At first, C was convinced that I had done it myself or just caught myself on something, but after examining the scratches more, he determined that that couldn't have been the case. The scratch went under my bra strap, which would have been impossible for me to do without them noticing. At this point, we were all trying to keep our calm while internally freaking out. We tried to make our way out as quick as we could without injuring ourselves. Climbing back over the wall of the house and through the hole where the roof used to be, we collectively walked a few feet away from the house and we stopped to look back at it. Still trying to understand what had just happened, we all agreed that we'd go back to the car and never come back here. The walk back to the car, which took around, I don't know, 20 minutes, was relatively uneventful. Apart from a continuous uneasy feeling that we were being watched or followed and occasionally thinking that we could hear footsteps behind us, it was actually quite peaceful taking in the Scottish countryside. 
We got to the car where we sat and had a smoke, still trying to completely calm ourselves down. It's safe to say that after that day, C took a long time to process the events, but undoubtedly became a believer. We swore to never come back to this house, but for some reason, we're always drawn back to it. It's like an urge to come back and visit, like an itch that you can't quite scratch. Maybe we're just drawn in by the eeriness or the mystery around that day, or maybe it's something more than that. Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA, get a quote today. We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. When I was 16 to 20, I had a boyfriend who was three years older than me. I was in a very bad time in my life at that time because my ex-boyfriend was extremely manipulative, emotionally abusive, and verbally abusive. I was never happy, but he would breadcrumb little bits of happiness, so I always thought that I'd get the happiness back sometime. He lived with his parents, and his bed was in the living room slash family room for quite some time. I'd say for about 60% of our relationship. I started staying over when I was about 17, almost 18, and him sleeping in the living room is important. So, here's the story. This has happened on two separate occasions, and both were at his parents' house when I would sleep over. The first time, it wasn't nearly as bad as the second, but still pretty terrifying. His bed, at the time, was on the right side of the family room and you could see into the kitchen as well as the front door. One night, I woke up and I saw a glimpse of white in the kitchen, so of course my eyes locked onto it. It was all pretty blurry because I wear glasses, but once I put my glasses on, I instantly felt scared. I saw a little girl in a white dress just walking around in a circle around the island. I thought it was his little sister, so I said, Hey, are you okay? And I didn't get a response. They continued walking, and I just went back to sleep, just thinking about how weird it was. But the entire family was a little strange and off, so I don't know. I didn't think much of it. Until I told my ex, and he said that his little sister also saw this girl, but only on one occasion. I didn't know if they were just messing with me, because he loved to do that to me, but I felt my heart drop and I got terrified. I didn't know if what they were telling me was real or not, but I believed them. Anyways, a year or so passed and I never saw her, until one night when he already rearranged where his bed was. This time, it was on the left side of the room by the back sliding door and there were couches by where his bed used to be. You could only see the little hallway going to his parents' room and then partially the kitchen and the couches. I woke up sweating and sleeping on my side. As I turned, I noticed her again. 
only this time she was walking in a circle in front of the couches. She felt closer to me than last time. I could see her more clearly. She was in the same white dress. She was barefoot and had her hair mostly in front of her face, just walking in a slow circle nearly 15 feet in front of me. I got absolutely terrified and my instinct was just to turn back over to my right side and close my eyes with the covers over my head as if she didn't already know I was there. The moment I turned, I felt something get into the bed. My ex was sleeping next to me, but I couldn't find the courage to wake him up because I was absolutely frozen with fear. It was in between me and him behind my body. The family had a small Yorkie and I was hoping it was him, even though I knew from how heavy the crawling was, it couldn't be him. As it got closer and closer, I heard this growl and not any sort of dog growl. It sounded like a wolf who was about to devour me. In about 10 seconds, I could hear it right next to my ear. The growling and the huffing and the puffing. My hair was being blown in front of my face and all I could think about was how do I get out of this situation. I was still turned to my right at this point so I was scared to turn over because I don't know what I was going to see. About five seconds later, the noise slowly faded away as if it was leaving. I finally turned around when I was sure that I couldn't hear the sound anymore and the little girl was gone. I remember staying up for the rest of the night, just silently sobbing because it was that moment that I realized I wasn't asleep and it couldn't have been sleep paralysis, even though for many years I've convinced myself that it was. I was able to move and talk, I just couldn't out of fear talk at all this time. I never felt so undeniably scared and felt as if I was witnessing something indescribable. I told my ex the next morning and he laughed at me and told me that I was being a sissy for not turning over. I've told friends and family over the years and my mom swears it was a demon that lived in their house. My mom hated my ex and always thought that he was pure evil because of all the horrible things that he would do and say to me. My boyfriend now believes the same because of how much I remembered about it. I'm still not sure how I feel about this or what I believe because it's hard, you know, witnessing something like that and having a straight answer. I still get the chills every time I think about it and even as I write this. I still find it strange how his little sister only saw it once and she lived there but I saw it twice and only stayed over about twice a week. Thinking back on it now, I felt like it was a sign that his family was possessed or at least were at some point. Every kid, and there were five, has tried to unalive themselves in the past at least once and even their mom tried when living in that house. They all survived, but I've never heard of everyone in a household doing that before. Every time I walked into that house, my energy would be drained and I felt depressed until I'd return back to my house. The more I stayed over, the longer I'd feel that way, even while at home. I get spouts of sadness, but I've never felt that way again since I left him. So... The whole point of this was to share my experience and see what others have to say about it, or 
even if y'all had a similar situation happen to you with an ex or friend or even family. I've never experienced this after I left him, so I always just linked the demon to his family or that house. There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat. Or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com. Key West. Close to perfect. Far from normal. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. I have a few ghost stories while working at this venue. I've been working there since January, and it's a regular occurrence that strange things just happen. The first incident that I remember was when I was new on staff. I was doing a close down by myself at around 2am, which is very early considering we're open until 6am, and I was one of two people in the building. The other person was a manager who was cashing up downstairs. It was just us two, and I was slightly on edge because something just didn't feel right. I'm going to try and explain how the club is set up so it makes more sense. The way the club is set up is like a C-shape. There are some booths near the main door on one of the sides along with the female toilets. Across the middle section is some seating and tables and the bar across from the wall. The other section was more booths, the men's toilets, and then a door to the smoking area. Behind the bar, there's a door that leads down a corridor. If you go straight on, there's a fire exit door that's basically used as the staff smoking area slash bin area. And if you turn right, it takes you downstairs to the cellar, which is where the stock and offices are. I was walking near the customer smoking area, sweeping as I went, and I had heard glasses clinking near the entrance to the club. I'd gone around the corner and I could hear it, but the lights were flickering in the booths near the female toilets. Of course, I was absolutely filling my pants because I was the only one upstairs. I'd rang my manager, who was downstairs, to tell her what was going on, and she said, Yeah, it gets weird in there sometimes. As she said this, the bar mats that I'd hung on the entrance behind the bar flew off and slapped on the floor. Naturally, I went downstairs to ask what the frick was going on, and she said the best thing to do is just to tell the spirits to leave you alone, and then they will. I thought that sounded like some nonsense, but I gave it a go anyway, and you know, it seemed to work. The next few incidents have all been very recent because... I started doing the opens, so I was the only staff member in the entire building, and there was times that I'd be downstairs in the office and all the lights would just turn off and flicker. 
Things would randomly fall from a spot that they haven't been moved from or touched, or you'd feel the air change sometimes for seemingly no reason, and I'd usually yell something along the lines of, go away Satan, not today, and then it stops. I ignore it as best as I can, but the scariest one I've had is when the motion sensor light had turned on in the staff smoking area, which by the way I had the door pinned open because it's warm, and I saw a figure walk past. I didn't really know what to do at all. It gets very scary sometimes. It used to be a pub before it was bought out and, you know, spirits haunt their favorite locations from what I've been told, so I suppose that explains it. When I was a junior in college, I lived in a fraternity house with 40 other guys. As you can imagine, getting any personal time for studying, relaxing, or just peace and quiet was, well, beyond rare. That December, before Christmas break, one of my friends suggested that we drive a few hours north. I, I went to school in Michigan to their family's cottage where we could all just unwind before final exams and the much-needed winter break. As we drove up to the cottage, it was picturesque. Snow softly falling, beautiful trees surrounding the property, a frozen lake illuminated by the cottage exterior lights. It was just what we needed. Think of a Thomas Kincaid painting. As cliched as it sounds, his family had been coming up to this lake for a number of years and had only recently, like within the past five years or so, purchased this place from an elderly couple that had passed and had lived there their entire lives. Throughout his childhood, they would always pass by this house and remark that it was haunted. Since the folks that lived there were retired, they weren't as active as the other lake dwellers, and being that their home sat a little further off the water and was canopied by trees, it always seemed to be in the shadows and never in the sun, which gave it that additional spooky look and feel. When the couple did ultimately pass, his family purchased it with the intention of building a more modern lake house in its stead. But I digress. So... We pulled into the driveway and trudged up the walkway through six inches of soft, powdery snow. Once we got inside, we immediately started to unload our groceries and began the dinner process, of which I was in charge. The place was cozy, warm, and something you'd expect an older person's home to look and feel like. A fire was lit, warming the place, and I had just started cooking some steaks and shrimp in the kitchen. As college kids, you can imagine the excitement and luxury we felt when we opened their freezer and saw that it was stocked with steaks, shrimp, and chicken. Well, we had been living on mac and cheese, so this was something we were even more excited about. I had just mixed a drink, the fire was warm, and the radio was on. We couldn't have been happier. To set the scene and layout of the property, the house was sitting about 50 yards from the water and on a slight hill. The nearest neighbor was over half a mile away and the drive up was about 300 yards from the road, so we were nestled back in relative isolation. 
there had also been a steady snowfall that evening, so there was about six to eight inches now of snow surrounding the house and covering the deck. So if, let's say, a squirrel had walked up to the house, its tracks would have been easily seen as the exterior lights illuminated the entire exterior. Even sensor lights were installed along the side walkway. We felt safe as one could be. Now, it's nearing 9pm and we were starting to really feel it and unwind. We poured another drink and the food was nearly done. The smell of cooked steak wafted through the house. We all had these smiles on our faces knowing that we were living the life while the other guys back at school were living on top of each other and dealing with the nightly chaos that only a gaggle of college boys living under one roof can create. The juxtaposition was stark and we couldn't have been happier. Dinner was nearing being finished and the police's every little thing she does is magic was on the radio. This was 1994, so no iPods or anything like that. We were old school and tuned into the local radio station. Those were the days when you felt an extra connection when the station played a song that you loved, like you and the DJ were on the same page with what good music really is. And we were feeling it right when the song was feeling it too. We cranked the volume and started dancing around. Life couldn't get any better. A nice buzz, a great meal on the way, and a cozy tucked away cabin, holidays right around the corner, a roaring fire. Man, you know, as a young man who grew up modestly, it was just one of those moments. Until it wasn't. As we cranked the volume up to, well, let's just say pretty loud, we heard the three loudest knocks on the back door. It stopped us. And the police, probably, right in our tracks. It was so obvious someone was at the back door, we all just stared at each other with scared, confused looks. Now, who in their right mind was out on a winter night and at our door? Who could we possibly be disturbing? A chill ran through me immediately because no matter who was at the door, I knew it wasn't going to be a good thing. My friend, whose family owned the place, ran to the back door and came roaring back with a look of just sheer terror on his face and said, Someone's in the house. The back door was slightly open and someone had slipped in the house. I can't describe the fear that gripped me in that moment. We panicked and froze. What should we do? Do we grab the fireplace poker? A kitchen knife? What was this person's intentions? Were they armed? And what were they armed with? Why had they knocked and announced their presence only to slip into a hiding place? I can't stress how loud the knocks on the door really were. It wasn't one of those, like, did you hear that moments? It was a needle off the record moment when you all arrive at the same thought at the same time and realize that something bad is about to happen. We all caught our breath and did a room-to-room -room search armed with household items like mentioned before. By the time we got back to the main room with the fireplace, we glanced outside to see where the snow tracks originated from, expecting to see snow prints from the road or even, heaven forbid, from the woods. But we were stunned to find that the snow was totally undisturbed. 
The back deck where the door was slightly open showed no signs of anyone that had walked up. The steps, the deck itself, and the walkway leading up were all covered with the same six to eight inches of fresh snow. No one had approached the house from any direction. What the heck was going on here? Well, whatever it was, there was no person in the house. We were stuck in a cabin with something that was very upset about us disturbing them. We quickly all surmised that the old couple that had once lived there wasn't happy about their nightly routine being replaced with loud music and dancing kids. This insight offered us huh, little comfort. After we finished dinner, we all slept in the master bedroom on the same bed. Now, the idea of being alone and disturbing whatever lurked in that house was just too frightening. The night came and went without incident. Almost as if the ghost had made its point and was smug in knowing how much we were afraid. In the morning, we packed up and drove out of there in a hurried manner. In the daylight, we all looked back at the snow surrounding the house, and it was as pristine as the night before. Not a flake seemed out of place. I will never forget those three loud knocks. Well, it all started one day when I was burning some garbage, which we are allowed to do in our area, and maybe 30 minutes in, I start hearing footsteps, and I start feeling like somebody was watching me in the woods behind the fireplace. The only things close to me are a cemetery and a house about a mile away, so no one should be back there. I walked into the woods with my gun for safe measures. I walked around for 45 minutes looking, but nothing, so I went back to burning. Then I heard the footsteps and got the feeling of being watched again, so I went back in. Not too long later, my mom stopped to give me something. She couldn't find me, so she called out and I walked back out of the woods. She asked what I was doing, and I told her. I asked if she felt the same and she said no, so at this point I just thought I was going crazy. So I tried to finish burning quickly, but by the time it was done it was about 9pm. Then I went to the side of the shed to grab something, which I can't remember what it was, but maybe it's not important. And that's when I saw it, about 20 feet away from the shed are five trees, and on the middle tree I saw two elderly people. They looked like they were in their late 80s. They were up the tree, standing on branches. The woman was covered by darkness, so I couldn't see her very well. However, the male I could see. His fingernails were nearly a foot long, and I could only see about half of his face. But as soon as I saw them, I froze for a moment, wondering what the heck was going on. After what felt like forever, I just ran back into my garage where... My mom was on the phone with a family member. I sat next to her, contemplating what I had just seen, not realizing I was softly talking out loud. And that's when my mom asked what I was talking about, and I told her. And after I was done, we talked a little more together. Then, I saw the male staring at me from the corner of my garage door window. 
To give some details, the window is about six and a half to maybe seven feet high. Once I saw that, I ran into the house without uttering a word to my mother, and I ran into the kitchen. When I got to the kitchen, I saw both of them through the window walking across the yard. That's when I had had enough, and I walked to an area with no windows, and I just curled up. That's when my mom called one of her friends to come over. Now, mind you, at this point, it's like 11 p.m. on a weekday. She came over and made me recite a few sayings, and we talked for a little while. As soon as we were done, I felt a wave of calm wash over me with some chills. She then went around the house to only do what I would assume would be cleansing it, and every time she would, I would see sheets of light go around wherever she was. She did mostly the uh, doorways and a few rooms, and after about an hour and a half of sitting around while she did this, she was done. My mom took her friend back home, and while they were gone, I sat in my living room, looking all around me. I started to see different colored, I don't know, like balls of light flying around me. Now, also I should say, I'm colorblind and I couldn't fully tell what colors they were. That went on for another hour before they started disappearing until only one was left. It then flew towards me and disappeared. I told my mom about this particular incident and she told her friend. Her friend said it was probably just my great-grandfather and that it was nothing to worry about. And nothing's happened ever since. So check this out. In the past, I was quite fascinated by all things spooky. I was a horror film buff, I loved a good book about true hauntings, and for many years, I was goth. And during that time, I learned something. Kids are creepy, especially little girls. Although, granted, Damien from The Omen wasn't exactly a ray of sunshine, but Generally speaking, if there's a little girl in a horror film, you know at some point she's going to climb up the walls or projectile vomit over priests. That's just the way it is. Bearing this in mind, I can't deny that when I found out I was pregnant with my eldest, somewhere in the back of my mind, there was this uneasy thought, what if she turns out to be creepy? Of course, the second she was born, that thought vanished entirely and I was completely wrapped up in just how friggin' adorable and perfect and cute she was. And she was quite possibly the most beautiful baby in the world. Okay, I know I'm probably just biased, but you get the idea. Not a creepy bone in her chubby little body. That is, until now. She's now coming up on four years old, and she's extremely bright and extraordinarily eloquent for a three-year-old. That means that sometimes she just comes out with things that you wouldn't expect a child her age to say. Up until now, when she said something surprisingly clever, I must admit I do tend to be incredibly proud and a little smug. You know, ha, my child is a genius. What good parents we must be. But Recently, I've kind of been wishing she wasn't quite so eloquent as some of the random, clever things 
she's been saying are truly terrifying. I mean like stomach churning, we're going to need an exorcist kind of terrifying. It started maybe a month or two ago. She started talking about Leo, her invisible friend. Wonderful, I thought to myself. Imaginary friends are creepy AF and this is how it always starts in the films. Now, I knew she had a friend at school named Leo, so I just put it down to her having an overactive imagination. Even when she would tell me that Leo had climbed into bed with me and was hiding under the duvet by my feet, I wouldn't let it get to me. It's just harmless play, I would say to myself, and then I would give myself a mental pat on the back for being so sensible and grown up about it. There was a time that I would have freaked out about invisible little boys crawling into bed with me, but not now. No, now I was a fearless mom. Go me. After a few weeks, Sarah showed up. To my daughter, I mean, of course we couldn't see her, just like that cheeky little bed-stealing scamp Leo. So now there were two. Fabulous. But just like she had an actual friend named Leo, she also had an actual friend named Sarah. It was her dance teacher. So again, we just chalked it up to her imagination. All was well in the world with Leo and Sarah. They would chase around the house or have imaginary water balloon fights and hardly ever do anything creepy, like perch on windowsills during the night to watch us sleep. Then, a week ago... We had my husband's parents over for dinner, and we were enjoying a nice family dinner when, out of nowhere, my daughter starts talking about her friends, except now there are three. Now there's a Clement. She doesn't know a Clement, and there is no one by that name at her school, and I checked. He's not a character from any of her books or from any of the cartoons that we watch. I have no explanation for Clement, and she's not sure who he is either. Leo and Sarah are brother and sister, but Clement is just naughty. That's all we knew about him. I would have much preferred him to be funny or silly, but no, all he is is naughty. <laughs> Great. And then she just blurts this out. And you know, Leo is dead. Sarah killed him. Dead, just like your granddad, mommy. My mother-in-law and I just stared at each other, not saying a word, but safe to say we all knew what we were both thinking. What the actual frick. My lovely husband senses my absolute horror at what my beautiful angel has just announced at the dinner table and tries to come to the rescue. But it's just pretend, darling, isn't it? He's okay, really. He's not really dead. Well, my daughter says, no, daddy, he really is dead. Sarah killed him. She merrily replies in between two mouthfuls of chips. I felt a bit sick at this point, and I was not looking forward to sharing my bedroom with my daughter and her new mates at bedtime. Yes, my nearly four-year-old still sleeps in our room, but that's a whole nother story. So, as we were getting ready for bed, she starts talking about them again, this time adding that we have an angry lady called Violet living in our attic space. She's always cross and has purple lips. A fun fact about our attic space is it's not actually closed off by a wall. It just has a see-through banister to stop anything from falling out, so I can see everything in our attic that overlooks my bed. I now know I'm never sleeping again. <laughs> awesome. 
And so I said, sweetheart, can we not talk about them now? They're only pretend. They're not real. And what she said next, and how she said it, will probably haunt me forever. Her face dropped into a scowl. She came very close to my face. She squinted her eyes and said, they are real. And then started laughing and added, they're shouting, mommy, they're always shouting. Pants change in aisle three. As she grew up, we heard less and less about her invisible friends, but I must admit, not a night goes by that I don't look up into the attic space and imagine an angry violet staring back at me. Just to update the story a little, last week I heard both of my kids chanting in their playroom. I went to check on them and saw they had put some toys in a circle with a woody doll in the middle. What are you guys up to? I asked, already dreading the answer. Oh, nothing, mommy. We're just trying to summon the woody demon. Oh, I replied. What is the woody demon? I instantly regretted my question when my youngest said, A few days ago, I heard Woody talk by himself, so now we want him to do it again. My kids are little. They shouldn't know anything about demons. It's not like me and my husband talk about anything like that. And how the heck did they know what to chant and how to put their toys in a circle? Have kids, they said. It'll be fun, they said. First off, I didn't see it in the pool. It was afterwards. After my sister accidentally kicked my eye in the pool, I decided to pull a prank on her and pretend she gave me a bruised eye. So, I grabbed my mother's makeup palette and did the best I could to fake a black eye, and it seemed believable. I walked up to our upstairs loft where my sister and her friends were hanging out and I showed her my eye, and she obviously freaked out. I made her apologize before she wiped my eye and realized it was just makeup. She punched me and we had a good laugh. I went downstairs to the bathroom to wash it off. As I was bent over to wash my eye, in my peripheral vision, I saw a small, frail boy wearing a striped shirt and boarding shorts. He had a bowl cut and was glaring at me with distorted facial features. Knowing there were no children as young as he looked at this party, I immediately stood straight up and looked towards him. He was gone. I backed up into the corner of the bathroom and looked around the room. My heart was coming out of my butt. I ran out of the room and I told my sister as she helped get the rest of the makeup off of my eye. After a few months had passed, I had completely forgotten about that event, and so had my sister. And one evening, I went into my parents' room to collect a shirt that I had left in there from the previous night. My parents' room and the bathroom are connected by a pair of double doors with frosted glass, just like most of the doors in our house. I found my shirt and was on my way out when I noticed two small handprints on one of the frosted glass panes. I stopped myself to have a, a better look at it. Each handprint was as small as the palms of my hands. I felt shocked. But then I got shivers on every inch of my body as I remembered what happened after the pool party not too long ago. My heart sank and I ran to the kitchen 
grabbing some cleaning supplies and desperately trying to wipe those handprints off the glass. But because it was frosted glass, it didn't come off at all and somewhat made it even clearer. I decided to ignore the handprints since I couldn't clean them and they're currently still there. To this day, it still creeps me out when I go into my parents' room and especially the bathroom. To anyone listening to this, I would appreciate any thoughts or suggestions, but I write this because I need to right now. It's just too much for me to handle. I'm German and 19 years old. Luckily, I'll be moving out in October and hopefully it'll get better after. I never really believed in ghosts, nor did I deny their possible existence either. I still think that way, but I'm frustrated and helpless right now. It probably started either in the beginning of August or end of July that my cat would avoid my room. The few exceptions were only for a few minutes and she didn't seem to feel comfortable, but she didn't avoid me. When I was elsewhere, she would go to me and if I came in the room, which used to be by my sister's, where she stayed when she wasn't outside, she purred and wanted to cuddle. I found it weird and was sad about it because I feel lonely and I just like her company. A thing that I want to clarify, just for fairness's sake, I started watching videos about paranormal stuff again in August. I do this every couple of years for a phase, and that's how I found out about this subreddit. It probably affected me because for a few days, I had a lot of shivers and was a bit scared sometimes. I'm sensitive and scare easily, which makes everything worse. So, the one August night that started it all. Slightly before falling asleep, the weird state where you're like half conscious, I always felt like I would stop breathing and therefore woke up, so to say, which I had already done a few days before too. It was annoying and exhausting, but also interesting for me because I, well, Let's just say I have the tendency to want to eat myself off the planet from time to time. And it makes me realize that I'm actually a little bit afraid of death and I don't actually want to die. Anyways, it happened a few times, but the last time I felt something warm around my neck. For me, it felt like a hand, but it also just could have been this connection that I've made up and my neck was just hot for some reason. But it disappeared the moment that I woke up. Oddly enough, the lyrics Nothing Suffocates You More Than the Passing of Everyday Human Events by Marilyn Manson's fight song came to my mind the moment before, even though I rarely listen to Manson. As I already stated, I'm not a native speaker, and I thought, what does suffocate mean again? Ah, right, airstricken. Might be a coincidence, or it affected me in thinking that I was being strangled. After the warm feeling disappeared, I heard a low-pitched sound. It somehow reminded me of a frog, but probably didn't sound like it at all. The next day, my cat tried to go into my room again, but looked into the corner where I heard that sound, and then they left again. The next night, I obviously was scared, but not enough to tell anyone or not to be able to fall asleep in the room. I either was half asleep or half conscious and I had a dream. I think it was a usual Twitter tweet and I scrolled down the comments. 
They were all pictures of pale, scary faces with bloodstains, but the last face wasn't on Twitter anymore. It felt like it was right above me, pressing his nose on mine and even moving a bit. Even our lips were pretty much on each other's. I opened my eyes and nothing was there. Actually, I can't remember if I slept this night after this at all. I can't imagine me doing this, but I can't remember going anywhere else that night either. I told my mother about it. I think she's a bit spiritual, but not over the top. Probably like me, but a bit more on the spiritual side. We never mentioned words like ghost, but she said that she wants to clean my room by using sage. I don't really like this idea. I didn't tell her that, but she had been using it sometimes when I was younger. I hate smoke, but nevertheless, I always felt a bit better after she used it. Anyways, she suggested to me that I could either use the room that used to be my sister's or the bed on the other side of the room, which is where my older brother used to sleep and still does when he comes to visit. I chose to sleep on the other bed, but I didn't feel comfortable. I always felt like in the other part of the room where I usually sleep, and the room is halfway divided by props. I'm not sure if that's the right word to use, but I feel like something's creepy and threatening. It was the wrong decision because I obviously was too afraid, but I was able to relax, but then I heard a sneeze behind me that sounded like it was coming from an animal, but it was enough for me to freak me out and eventually leave the room and choose to go to my sister's room. It probably was a raccoon or something, but it didn't sound like it came from above, but like it was actually in the room. Until today, I slept in this room without many problems. I just feel a bit uncomfortable and not welcomed, probably because it's just not my room. Additionally, the room is much darker because of the windows. My sister had a lot of stuffed animals and a few porcelain dolls that are all directed to look towards the bed. I hate it, but I can cope with it. I feel very safe if my cat is with me, but she likes to be outside, thus often I don't feel safe. The only thing weird was that sometimes the motion detector lamp would go on for a second or a third time after it was on because I walked by. A couple of hours ago, I saw something, but to me, that was terrifying and it frustrates me a lot. I don't know what to do or where to sleep. I woke up for no reason and saw on the other corner of the room a flying, completely round face. It looked oddly similar to the anonymous mask for some reason. I know it sounds ridiculous and I still can't believe it, but on the one hand, I'm laughing at myself but on the other hand, it still feels so real again and it just gives me the chills. I saw it so clearly for a few seconds. It wasn't blurred because I could hardly see anything, even though it should have been the case because it was still dark AF. It flew looking down, but while flying slowly, turning into my direction. It looked like it would turn itself around automatically and usually make this endless circle. I wanted to close my eyes, but I couldn't stop staring at it. I was completely terrified, and I was breathing really fast. After a moment, it disappeared, and after a short pause of shock and running thoughts, 
I grabbed my phone and went into the kitchen where I started just writing this. Before I started this paragraph, I talked to my mom because she had went to the bathroom. She really wants to find her sage now, but doesn't know if it's the right thing to do tonight. And she told me something that I actually agree with. She said, even if it's not real, the fear is real. As I started writing this, I still remembered the face very clearly, but now my memory blurs. That's always a problem of mine, but I will always remember my emotions for sure and forever. I just wanted to write it all down. It felt good even though I had so many shivers while writing this. I don't think anyone could help me, but honestly, I'm still interested in hearing other people's thoughts about this. Okay, so my family thinks I'm crazy for this, but when I was little, my great-grandfather passed away, and not to brag, but I was his favorite. I was the only baby he would ever feed, and he would never feed my little brother or my older sister. But a couple of years after he died, he showed up in my room one night, and at the time, I didn't know what death was, so I didn't understand the fact that he was a ghost. We talked every night for a couple of weeks, more about me as I was a self-centered child, so I never asked anything about him or how he was doing. My mom came into my room one night asking who I was talking to. I said, I'm talking to Grandad. My mom said that Grandad isn't here though, referring to my other Grandad, but I said no and corrected her on which Grandad I was meaning. She didn't really believe me at first and started asking questions about what we talk about and what he was wearing. I said he's always wearing a dressing gown and eating out of one of those bowls that him and Nanny eat pudding out of and he always has a big dolphin torch next to him that he puts on my desk. My mom then instantly believed me because, well, apparently my granddad used to get up in the middle of the night and walk to the kitchen to eat pudding in his dressing gown and would carry a dolphin torch so he didn't have to turn all the lights on and wake anybody up. My mom knew this because she used to live with them when she was a teenager and how was I supposed to know that he had done this? I was only little when he died and when I would have sleepovers there I was always asleep and didn't know that he got up in the middle of the night to do any of this. But the last night I saw him I didn't realize at the time but he wasn't just saying goodnight to me after our usual chats before bed, he was saying goodbye. He made a really big point in telling me that he loves me and that he loves all of his children, his grandchildren, and now his great-grandchildren. He also said that he loves his wife, too. He gave me a hug, and the next night I sat up waiting for him to come, but he didn't show. I then came to the realization that he was gone and had passed away. My dad was in the hospital at the moment he was sick, uh, not physically, but mentally. He has bipolar, and I didn't know what that meant and thought he was dying. My mom came into my room that night and asked what happened. I told her, my granddad's gone. He died and left me, and now dad's going to leave me too. And I was bawling my eyes out as she explained everything to me. I don't see him anymore, but I know he's here because, well, 
I was on a dodgy website watching a movie when my dog started barking at the corner of my room. I tried to ignore it, and then I finally told him to stop, and when I went to go play my movie again, it took me to another website. A website about dolphins. I don't know if this was just a coincidence or him trying to let me know that he's here and that it's him. In my early 20s, I start and join a motorcycle club here in the southwest. Our get-together started out as weekend rides out to the canyons and then out to eat at the casino buffets afterwards. As we started to establish ourselves as an actual MC, which is just short for motorcycle club, we began hanging out Thursday nights and started to hit up bars and nightclubs after a ride around town. One of these nightclubs was known to have ladies night, where a male dancer would come out and strip down to his underwear for about an hour. After, the dance floor would open up and that's when we would go back in from the outside patio area. We became well known around that place, and one night, as I'm walking out to the patio, sipping on my beer, this older lady pulls me to the side. She looks me up and down and asks if we could sit and talk. I agree, and we sit outside. She tells me she's friends with one of the girls that's hanging out with one of my boys from the MC. She began to tell me that I have this bright light that walks around with me, like a huge angel taking care of me. She said she just had to talk to me since I walked into the club and my light made the rest fade into darkness. Out of nowhere, before I can reply to her comments about the light, she says, Hey, can I read your hand? You see, I'm a witch, but not a bad one. I only do white magic. And then asks, Why do you think your friend over there has gotten out of so many bad places? while pointing to an MC member. So, the homegirl over here was riding on the sidecar with one of the guys, but he had it on the low low and we didn't even know. This was the first time he invited her to the club to hang out with us. Looking at her and then to my beer, I sip the last of it and put it down and I give her my hand. Now, I can't recall everything that she told me, but there were some things she mentioned that did stick with me. She tells me first that I would be in an accident before the year ended, which was in three months. And yes, I did get into a small motorcycle accident. The second thing that stuck with me was she saw my future kids and my wife. She said, I see two girls and your wife. She has blonde colored hair and it seems like you've known her for a long time or have at least crossed paths with her when you were both younger. Now... More than 12 years later, I'm married to someone that I went to high school with. My wife hates this part of the story because she actually is a brunette, but when I met her, she was a blonde. and She dyes her hair now. The last part of her reading was that I would die of old age, and people get mad when I mention that or joke about it. Now, I've had my share of accidents. I've counted about 13 motorcycle accidents in total, and people around me can't believe that I can still just walk around after all of that. To anyone reading my story, have you had your hand read? Have any of the things mentioned to you actually happen?
This is something I experienced shortly before moving out of one of my teenage homes just a couple of years ago. When I was around 13 or 14 years old, my great-grandmother used to collect dolls. In one of the dolls, I took a particular liking to because of how gosh dang creepy it looked. She picked up on it and actually gave it to me not too long before she passed away. Fast forward to the story at hand. My two stepbrothers and I were sitting in the living room chatting late at night, around 1am or so. And for some context, this is a cookie cutter house. So when you walk in, you basically have to choose between going upstairs or going downstairs. The living room is directly upstairs from the front door. There's a fireplace on the left-hand wall, but not much else to note since it was an open concept. Adjacent to the wall, there was the railing overlooking the doorway area, and in front of the railing is the couch. There's also a television sitting on the ground on the wall opposite to the couch. During our conversation, we got on the topic of childhood paranormal experiences. Joking around, I went and grabbed the doll from my bedroom and I leaned it up on the shelf above the fireplace. I made sure when I put the doll up there that it was leaning securely as to not slip off. Here are some things that are now important. The television is on, but it's just on the no signal screen, and because we were preparing to move, there are boxes and trash bags piled in front of the fireplace, at least three to five feet out. And we were all sitting on the couch at the time that this happens. In the middle of a story that my younger stepbrother was telling about an experience he had in the basement of a childhood home, the doll was flung forward from the shelf, landing a good few feet away from the boxes, meaning it flew six to eight feet away from the fireplace that it was sitting above. And at the exact same time the doll made contact with the ground, the television shut itself off and then turned itself back on. We've never had any electrical issues in that house or with the TV. Needless to say, we just about pissed ourselves. I know people are going to say that it's possible that the doll just fell, but the doll flew forward off of the shelf, even though it was leaning backwards. And things that fall don't typically fall outwards several feet. Let me know what you all think. I've done many paranormal investigations throughout the UK and apart from some odd bangs and voices or a few odd images, I've never had a personal experience. Oh, how Guy's Cliff House in Warwick changed me. I'll start by saying I'm not psychic and I don't have any inclination that way. I start every event I do by not joining in when the groups do their protection for the night ahead. For me, experiencing something is my ultimate goal that proved to myself that what i believe in is real we were in a room within guy's cliff doing a seance and there was a large table in front of me with chairs all around we'd take a seat and there was myself my mother my brother and another group member we each held on to each other's shoulders as we focused and asked questions Above the table was a small light from the roof, an all-seeing eye which had been accidentally turned on moments before. 
All seemed to be going well. There were a few odd noises, but really nothing of note. The medium kept asking me if I was okay. She was sat opposite side of the room, and each time my response was, Yes, I'm fine. The next thing I remember, I was having her shouting in my ear, telling me to come forward and to not be left alone. Once I had come around a bit, I was told that the hangman tried to come through me to speak. This was the gentleman who would take the person sentenced to death by rope and the person who would ultimately hang them. The reports from everyone was that during the seance, my eyes began to roll into my head and I became unresponsive to any questions that I was being asked. For the rest of the night, for some very strange reason, I couldn't shake the strong urge to go back to that room alone and then just sit and not move. The fallout of this incident meant broken sleep and I couldn't sleep without lights on for over a month. There's no real explanation as to why, but something in my mind just wouldn't rest about that incident. Alright, so check this out. When I was six years old, my family bought our first black Labrador. We named her Magic, and we were inseparable. When I was 18, she passed away from a heart tumor. I was absolutely devastated, and I had a really hard time getting to sleep afterwards because she always slept in my bed with me. A year later, we got another black Labrador, and then this weird phenomenon started happening. It should be noted that the new lab refused to sleep in my room. He didn't even really like going in there at all. He'd always look intently at certain spots and then quickly leave. I'd bring him onto my bed and try to get him to sleep in my room and he'd jump off right away and cry to be let out. I sleep with my door closed so I know it wasn't him coming in later. One night, I was tossing and turning, and all of a sudden, it felt as if someone had jumped on the bottom of my bed. It freaked me the hell out. Then, just like she would always do when she was alive, it felt like four paws were moving in a circle, trying to find that sweet spot before the covers would just gently press down at my feet. This happened every night for weeks. I sort of felt like... I was going insane, but one night it was really annoying me because it woke me up, so I said out loud, Magic, go bug mom. I was half joking to myself because I didn't actually fully believe that it was her, but the next morning over breakfast, my mom looks at me and says, You know, the strangest thing happened to me last night. I swear it felt like magic jumped on my bed, found a comfy spot, and then laid down with me. I had never told my mom that I thought magic was jumping on my bed every night because I thought I was insane, but my mouth dropped when she said this. I told her how it was happening to me and that I had sent magic to bother her that night. We cried because we didn't want magic to think that we replaced her. Later that week, it just stopped all of a sudden, and I told my mom that 
I hadn't felt magic jump on my bed the last few days. My mom told me that when I wasn't home, she went up to my room and told magic that we loved her and that we will never forget her and she could never be replaced and it's okay for her to rest now. Ever since then, my new Labrador has slept in my room with me every night. I like to think that magic gave him permission. My mom and I still tell people this story. We have no explanation for it and we like to believe that she came back just to spend a little bit more time with us and show the new pup how to be the goodest boy. Ghost stories can make you cry. When I was four, my dad bought me a brand new Xbox. It was one of the originals, the ruggedy black box from 2001, and we shared tons of wonderful times playing so many different kinds of games together. Unfortunately, we were only able to enjoy it for two years before he passed away. I was just six years old at the time, and it left me lost, confused, and heartbroken, as such things do. I couldn't even bring myself to touch that console for another ten years. It was simply too painful. Yet, when I finally did turn it on again, I noticed something very unexpected on one of the save files. It was on one of the games that we played most often, Rally Sports Challenge, a racing game that was actually pretty awesome for its time. Needless to say, that's the one I decided to revisit first. Once I began messing around in there, I found my dad's literal ghost. If you've played Mario Kart or any other racing game, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. When you select a time trial, your objective is to complete the race as quickly as possible, and the fastest lap time is recorded as a ghost driver. That means that each time you replay the trial, you'll be racing against a transparent copy of the fastest lap. Well, you can probably guess where I'm going with this. Yes, my dad held the record time, and I was able to race him again just like the good old days. Only this time, I was able to give him a real challenge. I replayed the same race over and over again until I was almost able to beat his record. The more I played, the faster my own time got, and little by little, I began gaining on him until it finally happened. The day came where I got ahead of it. I surpassed my dad's ghost. Well, almost. I made sure to stop right before I crossed the finish line. That way, I could ensure a piece of him always remained. Even though he's physically gone, at least I can still beat my old man in a race. His ghost continues to roll around that track to this very day. This story happened a couple of years ago. I had lost my great-grandmother to cancer a couple of years before this incident. I was in my room and I got up to go to my closet. I remember that I had something I wanted to find, but I didn't know where it was. I thought to check my closet because I have a couple of things stored in there. I was on the floor, rifling through my box of things, and I was dead set on finding this item because... 
I really needed it. I don't remember what I was looking for, though. All of a sudden, I smell a scent. It was a light, good scent. It smelled familiar. As soon as I realized what it was, I froze in my tracks. It was her. I paused with my arms stuck in the position they were in when I was looking in the box. And terrified, I slowly turned around to see nothing. I even stood and walked a couple of feet out of my closet just to make sure that I really was alone. Honestly, all I could do was just stand there, frozen. I didn't know what to do or how to react. The smell dissipated not too long after I walked out of my closet. I have no clue what made her visit me of all people. I wasn't even thinking of her in that moment because all I was concerned about was finding the missing item. That was the only thing on my mind. Maybe it's because I'm sensitive to spirits, but how could she know that? Also, I wonder what took her so long. She visited me twice in my dreams after she died, but this was a while before the closet situation. I haven't smelled her since. I remember hearing her say years ago that whenever she died, she wouldn't bother us if she paid us a visit, and I see that she still kept her promise. My grandmother passed on October 25th, 2015, which was her birthday. The night before, my mom visited her in the hospital and gave her a stuffed kitty because my grandma adored cats. Her nurses said that she was stroking the kitty all night until she ultimately passed away in her sleep peacefully. The next week was filled with the legal side of someone passing, you know, death certificates, wills, setting up the funeral, closing accounts, selling and just giving away belongings. We hardly had a second to even mourn her. Grandma's funeral was held on that Saturday afternoon and we buried her with her stuffed kitty. It also happened to be Halloween. My family unanimously agreed that we wouldn't be doing our normal Halloween candy activities for obvious reasons. We placed a bowl of candy outside at around 5 p.m. with our porch lights off to not cause too much disturbance and we brought the empty candy bowl back inside around 10 p.m. At about midnight, I couldn't sleep, and I decided to go downstairs to grab some water. As I walked down the stairs, I saw a black cat sitting at the bottom step. I froze where I was standing, and I looked to the living room to see that my mom was still awake watching TV. I called out, Mom, did we... did we get a cat? My mom turned around, confused as hell because she and dad do not like cats at all, and said, no, absolutely not. We both approached the cat and immediately this little guy is all over us. He's adamant about being pet and I've never seen a more loving cat in my whole life. We pet him for about 15 to 20 minutes and decided he was probably a neighbor's cat, so we opened the front door and he walked right out without any hesitation. It was like he knew that we needed him for just that moment, and he left when his time was up. 
Weirdly, I don't remember mom and I having much conversation about the cat immediately after it happening, but the next day, we tried to figure out where the cat might have came from. He was nowhere to be found in the neighbor's yards and we never saw him again. I like to think that my grandma came to us in the spirit of that cat to let us know that we did a good job laying her to rest and she's at peace now. My friend went to a campsite over the weekend. When she got back, she told me everything while completely shaking. She was staying on a campground in Burns, Tennessee. She told me that the cabins were separated from each other and everywhere in the distance was just trees. Each night, there would always be twigs breaking, but she couldn't see it because it was completely pitch black. She told me that she's a light sleeper, but not even the most quiet noise can wake her up, which she thought was very strange. The last night she was staying at the campground, she was asleep, like always, but then she woke up to more twigs breaking, but it sounded like that thing was right outside her window. She jumped out of her bed, grabbed her phone, and turned on her flashlight and looked through the window. She couldn't see anything, so she decided to open the front door of the cabin. As soon as she was about to tell me the rest of the story, she started crying. It took a while for me to get her to tell the rest of what happened, but after a while, she was finally able to tell me the rest of her experience. She told me that as soon as she opened the front door, she flew back to the floor saying to herself, why was this thing here at this cabin every night while I was staying there? She stood up, slammed the door shut, and quickly locked it. She told me that as soon as she got back from that trip, she's been waking up at 3 a.m. every night. She started seeing glowing white eyes and a huge smile. She always turns the lights on in her room only to see nothing. Every night before she goes to bed, she thinks about that smile, saying to herself, who was that? and why was I their target? The next day, we started doing research, but none of that stuff had anything to do with the experience that my friend Kyle had went through. This is a true story, and if you don't believe me, ask my friend Kyle. She still wakes up at 3 a.m. to this day. I haven't used Reddit in a while. I mainly use Twitter nowadays for my social media urges, but I didn't really know where else to put this, so I'm making my return. Last night, I got a call from a military buddy that he was looking for a ride home from the bar and didn't want to spend $30 on an Uber ride. I said sure, I was hungover myself and figured it would help to drive with the windows down and to get some air. It was probably 12.30 a.m., and I was driving around my neighborhood trying to take an alternate route that I hadn't taken before, but that I did know about. Basically, one that went through residential areas and stayed off the bigger, more populated routes. I didn't really want to fight traffic the entire way getting downtown. So, as I'm driving, everything was normal. I was listening to some random podcast about World War II, but then as I'm passing this one random house, 
a couple of streets down from mine, there's a kid standing in the front yard right on the edge of the road. To be honest, this doesn't sound that weird, but looking back at it, it was way past midnight, and this kid was maybe 10 or 11 years old. He had on a red shirt, tan shorts, and sneakers with a blonde bowl cut. It was a totally normal-looking kid. So as I'm coming up to this kid, I get to a speed bump and I had to slow down so I was able to get a better look at him. He wasn't playing, he wasn't running around, and there were no other kids with him. He was just standing, completely still, and meeting my gaze as I'm going past. Like, the entire way down the street, he doesn't stop staring. And after I had passed him, I keep looking at my rearview mirror, and he still won't stop looking at me. He doesn't cross the street or go back to playing around. He just keeps standing there, staring at me and my truck. On the drive back, I told my friend after picking him up about the kid, and he was interested, so I took him back the same way that I saw him, but the kid wasn't there this time. Fast forward to when me and my friend get back to my place, sitting in my living room, shooting the shit, just watching YouTube, and we hear this super fast, but quiet, knocking at my door. Like, so quiet, my AC almost completely smothered the sound. It's about 1.30 a.m. at this point, and both my roommates are out of town for the long weekend, so I was kind of weary of answering the door. I peek out the window, next to the front door, and I see that nobody's there. Honestly, this could have just been a tree limb hitting the roof near the front door, but in that moment, it was like I was having a heart attack, thinking that I was going to see the kid there. Later, when I was in bed, just laying there, I heard a few more random knocks in different places. My bedroom is right next to the front door and goes out onto the patio that the front door connects to. These knocks could have been at the front door or just in some random spot in the house. At this point, I was so tired I really didn't care to worry about it, and so I passed out. Waking up this morning, thinking about those knocks, it creeped me out a bit more, but just doing a walkthrough of my front patio, nothing was out of the ordinary, so I don't really have much else to go on. I know this isn't really the most bone-chilling story, but it kind of goes to show how creepy kids can really be with zero effort. Yeah, that's weird, dude. I don't usually use Reddit, so I'm sorry if this is weird, but I have a question and a story for anyone who can tell me what I saw as a kid. I remember the different occurrences I have had very clearly to this day. When I was younger, about five or six, I used to see a woman at night standing in the corner of my bedroom. I couldn't see her face when she started appearing, but it would make me very uncomfortable and I'd put the blankets over my eyes so I didn't have to see it and I would call to my parents until they would wake up and then come into my room. I remember telling my father what I would see when I first started seeing her. My father, who's a very religious uh, told me not to worry that it was just my guardian angel. 
I remember trying to be comforted by that until it showed up again a few nights later. Every night, it got closer and closer. She was a very tall woman with black hair. Every night, she'd get closer and I'd look and I'd put the blankets over my eyes and again, I'd call for my parents. I stopped doing that when she was standing over the edge of my bed. I then would just cover my eyes and try going back to sleep, too scared to say anything. Before anyone says sleep paralysis, I was able to move my body and turn over when I'd cover my eyes, so I don't think it was that. And one night, the night I remember her the most, was the scariest encounter I've ever had, and every time I talk about this, I get very teary-eyed and panicked, but I still need advice on what people think that I could have seen. I've been questioning it for years, but this night when I woke up, I didn't see her at the end of my bed, so I remember rolling onto my left side and seeing her directly face to face with me. She had no expression on her face, she had no eyelids, she had a pale face, and she was staring directly into my soul. I remember the scream that I yelled. It woke my parents right up and they ran into my room. I broke down as a five or six year old and described to my parents that I saw the woman again, but this time I told them in depth how she looked. What six year old is seeing people with no eyelids? I had no idea what ghosts were. I wasn't allowed to even know what horror movies were, so how the hell could I even imagine something so disturbing? I'm still living in this house, but I'm 19 now, and I never saw her again. Does anybody have any ideas? Hey there, fellow Redditors. I'm here to share a spine-tingling tale of my encounter with a ghostly entity, or multiple ghostly entities. It all began when I moved into this old, cozy house in a quiet neighborhood. Little did I know that it held secrets beyond my wildest imagination. From the moment I stepped inside, a peculiar energy, that's a hard one, a peculiar energy enveloped the place, making my skin crawl. Strange things started happening, a flicker of movement from the corner of my eye, unexplained sounds echoing through the halls, and objects seemingly shifting on their own. At first, I dismissed these occurrences as mere figments of my imagination, trying to rationalize them away, but as the days turned into weeks, the activity intensified, leaving me no choice but to confront the inexplicable. Late one eerie night, while lying in bed, the silence, broken only by the creaks of the house, I heard it. A whisper, soft and faint, carried by an otherworldly presence. My heart skipped a beat as I strained to catch the words spoken by an unseen entity. Though their voice was barely audible, it seemed to call out my name, echoing with a mix of longing and urgency. Determined to uncover the truth behind these spectral whispers, I delved into the house's history. Countless hours were spent researching, speaking to locals who knew the area well, and poring over dusty archives in search of answers. Slowly, 
the puzzle pieces fell into place. A former resident who met a tragic end, their spirit lingering in search of resolution. Armed with this newfound knowledge, I embarked on a mission to communicate with the unseen entity, to offer solace to their restless soul. Through late night conversations, I began to understand their pain, the unfinished business that bound them to our world. The encounters continued, growing more intense and tangible. Objects would often move of their own accord, doors would slam shut with an eerie force, and an icy chill would settle in certain areas of the house. Shadows danced and flickered, seemingly alive with ethereal energy. Though fear gripped me at times, my insatiable curiosity and compassion propelled me forward. I sought the assistance of seasoned paranormal investigators, and together, we explored the depths of the house armed with various detection devices, hoping to capture evidence of the otherworldly. Our investigations yielded chilling results. Audio recordings that captured disembodied voices, whispers from beyond the veil, and photographs that revealed mysterious orbs of light, their presence defying explanation and sparking wonder. Yet, amidst the chilling encounters, a deep sense of empathy grew within me. I realized that these ghostly beings were not malevolent entities, no, but remnants of lives once lived. They yearned for acknowledgement and for understanding. With careful research and heartfelt conversations, I pieced together fragments of their stories. Each encounter brought me closer to understanding their pain and helping them find the closure they desperately sought. Now, for all you brave Redditors who wish to venture into the realm of the supernatural, I offer you a ritual, a symbolic gesture of connection with the spirits. Light a white candle in a quiet room, close your eyes, and softly speak words of compassion and understanding. Open your heart and mind to the possibility of their presence, acknowledging their existence with respect and with kindness. But let me remind you, dear friends, to approach this ritual with caution and respect. The spirit world is a realm we can never fully comprehend and it's essential to tread lightly to ensure your own safety. So, dear Redditors, if you ever find yourself face to face with the unexplained, approach it with an open mind and a compassionate spirit. Within those whispers in the night, you might just catch a glimpse of the profound mysteries that really surround us all. As my journey with the supernatural entities unfolded, I couldn't help but wonder if there was a way to help them find peace. I sought advice from experts in spiritual practices and discovered a ritual, an amalgamation of ancient traditions and personal intent, which some believed could provide closure for those restless spirits. With a mix of excitement and trepidation, I gathered the necessary items, which was a bundle of sage, a small vial of blessed water, and a piece of amethyst said to possess protective properties. Taking a deep breath, I entered the most active area of the house, the room where I had felt the strongest presence. 
In the dim light, I lit the bundle of sage, letting the fragrant smoke fill the room. And with each waft, I visualized negative energy dissipating and a calming aura enveloping the space. I sprinkled a few drops of blessed water around, symbolizing purification and renewal. As the room became infused with the delicate scent of sage, I held the amethyst in my hand, feeling its cool energy grounding me. With a steady voice, I spoke words of compassion and release, addressing the spirits that resided within the house. I acknowledged their pain, I expressed my willingness to help, and I offered them the freedom to move on from their earthly attachments. A profound stillness settled in the room, as if the very air was holding its breath. The sensation of being watched eased, replaced by a sense of serenity. Whether it was the power of the ritual or a shift in the spirit's energy, I may never truly know, but in that moment, I felt a gentle, intangible presence, the weight of unresolved emotions lifted, replaced by a subtle gratitude. In the days that followed, the paranormal activity gradually subsided, the once restless spirits seemed to find solace and began to fade into the ethereal realm that they belonged to. The house, once fraught with their lingering presence, now felt lighter, more peaceful. Reflecting on my experiences, I realized that the ritual was not a definitive solution for every haunting. Each encounter with the supernatural is unique, and finding resolution may require a diverse range of approaches, but the ritual served as a catalyst, an opportunity for understanding and healing to take place. So, dear Redditors, should you ever find yourself immersed in a world of unexplained phenomena? Remember that compassion, respect, and open-mindedness can bridge the gap between our realm and the supernatural. Explore with caution, seek wisdom, and above all, let empathy be your guide. In sharing my story, I hope to inspire others to embrace the unknown, to look beyond the veil of our perceived reality, and to approach the mysteries of the paranormal with a sense of wonder and genuine connection. May your own journeys into the realm of the supernatural be filled with profound experiences, intriguing discoveries, and maybe most importantly, a deep appreciation for the interconnectedness of our world, both seen and unseen. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.